you want to head up here. Kim is going to talk to us about joying, contentment, and bounding. So we're going to take flourishing to the basics. Kim and her husband, they live here in Cape Girardeau. They have, currently have nine grand, grandchildren. Kim has spoke here for us in MOPS a few times before, and she's rocked it each time. I feel like I know you all pretty well since this is my third time to be here. And I, I, for the first time I noticed, I thank you all for inviting me back too because I'm just so impressed with you young moms. Carl and I were just saying, boy, they had nothing like this when I was raising children. How blessed you are to have the volunteers and the organization of MOPS to, um, to come to and to grow through. It's just wonderful. I looked on the speaker information sheet and it said... Um, that uh, you could use scripture if you wanted to, but that MOPS was not a Bible study. And I thought, hmm, because I don't know anything worth talking about if it doesn't come from scripture. So I'm just going to tell you that straight up. Whatever I would have to say is going to come from, from scripture because I've got nothing else. Nothing. 60 years of nothing, right? So um, today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit being joy and contentment. And truly, joy is a supernatural fruit, uh, a, a gift that God gives us that is not natural at all. It is not our default. And what a perfect topic that fits with your flourish theme, perfectly suited to joy and contentment. What, am I supposed to poke this at something? <laughs> no. There we go. All right. Thank you very much. Now I'm a nervous wreck. Okay. Acts 17.26 says... From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they would live. So he set your time and he set your place and that's where you're expected to flourish. And he gives you the good gifts to flourish right there. Joy and contentment to me are like a grand gesture uh, like a show, a fanfare of God's great gifts to us as we trust in him. And they're no more grandly shown than in the time of distress or trial. This is one of the sanctifications of the Holy Spirit that is afforded to us as Christians, a gift indeed. To be sanctified means to be set apart, and if you can have joy in the midst of trouble, you are not like the rest of the world, I'll tell you that. Click. Okay. Uh, on your handout, you have uh, a little graph that says the fruit of the Spirit, and um, uh, joy is listed there, so it must be true, right? It's in, in Scripture. And what's so great about fruit anyway? So on your handout, I've listed fruit, why it's good for us, and joy as a fruit of the Spirit as it compares to fruit in our lives. God has gifted us with much. I won't read that to you because you have it right in front of you. On the next slide, we have Philippians 1.12. And Philippians is also uh, usually referred to in the New Testament as the joy book, the book of joy. And it says, uh, Paul tells us that everything that had happened to him, and he wrote this from prison. And then the next slide. <laughs> You're fine. Thank you. Thank you. 
um, he wrote this from prison. He says that everything that happened to me, even imprisonment, was for God's good glory. Philippians goes on to say on the next slide, that the events of our lives, both blessings and challenges, were established for God's good purpose, and that is that he would be glorified. In fact, this verse even says that Paul's own imprisonment actually created an emboldened spirit for those that knew Christ to share the gospel with others. They weren't afraid of imprisonment. They were joy-filled to be able to share it in spite of the imprisonment of Paul. So today I'm going to give you seven secrets, that would be the next slide, that tell us how to have more joy and contentment in our lives, not to squelch that spirit, uh, fruit of the spirit that God has given us. And the first one would be to spend time with Christ-minded friends, exactly what you're doing here today and what a blessing and a joy that is. The fellowship of believers is how it's referred to very often and not to, um, uh, not to um, uh, stay away from the fellowship of believers because it is such a sweet blessing. It hasn't always been that way for me. I used to, I guess I've been a believer now for about 30 years. It still seems like my golf game I just learned yesterday because I learn so much every, uh, every day, actually, that I spend with the Lord. I used to think that Christians were too good to be true, really boring because I was a party animal. If I wasn't at the party, I was planning one. I still like to party, frankly, but uh, in a, just in a different way. Um, I thought they were rigid and judgmental and square squared. But God has opened my eyes to the beauty of the Christian life and how blessed I am for it. If you'll switch to the next slide, please. These women are my Monday morning Bible study group. We've been together now for over 15 years. We're together every week. And I uh, have them on speed dial, group text, and group email. These are my spiritual... Um, supporters in all manners. I love them so much. Friends in Christ are indispensable in our life. It is said that sorrow shared is divided, but joy shared is doubled. And truly that is the case in the case of Christian friends. Their worth is not diminished by time, not devalued by inflation or worn out by use, but improved with time. So friends, you're blessed to be here this morning with each other. Next slide, please. I can do it now. All right, we'll see. <laughs> okay. So Proverbs 27 says that oil and perfume make the heart glad, so a man's counsel is sweet to his friends. So not only is a Christian friend sweet to you, you are sweetness to your friends. I hope that when you go back to your discussion groups that you, will, and you can write this on your outline as a reminder, that you will take a minute. That group of friends that I showed you earlier, one day in Bible study, one of us started, and I lifted up the names of the person next to me and her children's names. Now, you pray for your children all the time, but let me tell you, there is something sweet to hear someone else saying the name of your children before the Lord. I mean, it just breaks my heart with sweetness. So when you go back to your groups, do that exercise of praying together and um, saying the name of the person next to you and her children's names and just go around the table and do that. It's a sweet blessing and one that I think you'll enjoy. Next slide, please.
couples in Christ are also such a value. This is my friend Mary Jane. Does anyone know the F-Tanks if you're from here in town? You know them? Um, Mary Jane just completed um, breast cancer surgery, uh, reconstruction and treatment, and is on the other side of that and doing really well. But we hang around with them a lot. And they are good friends in Christ, and we know that we can have a good time. I told you I like to party, so... Uh, we have a great time with them playing golf, playing cards, and just eating out. And there's nothing like good friends who are wholesome and good to be around. They keep me straight, that's for sure. Um, next slide, please. These are good friends of mine. Actually, the blonde lives in Sandusky, Ohio, and the brunette, Elizabeth, lives in Austin, Texas. Good friends. We met 40 years ago. I see them once every three years. Uh, since that time, we meet somewhere to try to have a reunion. Their husbands and mine were in graduate school together. On Elizabeth's first weekend, without her children during a divorce, when her husband had the children for the first time and she would be left alone, I drove to Dallas, where she lived then, to spend that weekend with her. So as I said, you're blessed by friendship and you are a blessing as well. The second way to increase joy and contentment in your, in your life is to see every circumstance, no matter how difficult, through the eyes of God. Not the way the celebrities in Hollywood um, would tell you that uh, happiness and joy would come. Not the way through the ad agencies telling that you have to have this product with this name or that tag or in this color. Not the way that a thousand of your BFFs on Facebook and Twitter make their lives look. Not at all. Um, see things through God's eyes. And the only way to do that is to know scripture, frankly, and stay in his word. The truth that Paul has for every believer says, I have been crucified with Christ. This is from Galatians 20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God loves you so much. He sees every circumstance you're in, and he has something for you within that circumstance. You as a parent would take a bullet for your child. You would jump in front of the bus to save them. You would do the hard work of discipline and direction, and God sees it that way as well. <clears throat> um, he did it, in fact. Only in that day, the bullet was a cross, and he hung there for you. He metaphorically took that bullet so that you could come out on the other side righteous, pure, holy, separate, and eternally with him in heaven's zip code. He sees your pain and your disappointments, and he knows how to affect it all to his good glory and his will. Oh, I'm on First Peter. First Peter 1, 6 through 9 uh, will tell us that um, the difficult times in our life actually prove our faith. It makes us stronger. And for that, we have... Um, have much to be appreciative of. Pain, believe me, is never the end. In fact, Peter tells us that pain, trouble, trials make us closer to God and actually prove our faith. We move through pain to purpose, and his purpose is to be glorified. So you'll see more joy in every circumstance as you try to look at it through the eyes of God. Oops, sorry. I don't know. The next way 
is to dispense with jealousy or lust or covetousness. You know, there's no room for joy in a joy-filled, there's um, no room for a joyful response or a joy-filled life if you are looking at something else and thinking you'd like to have it. This is what happens to the seed that drops on the thorny ground. It's choked out by the lures and the desires of this world, and there's no fruit. Paul made um, a statement to his, uh, his followers who said, Hey, you know, there's someone over here preaching Christ, and they're doing it so that they get personal gain. Aren't you going to take care of that for them? He said, I'm not taking care of it. They are preaching Christ. God will take care of it. I'm just glad that, God, that Christ is preached. And, you know, we can look at many things and feel the same way about it, but the truth is God will take care of it. He'll handle every issue. So put away all competition and jealousy and desire because God is really, if those of you are in BSF, I know I recognize some of you that are, he is really the only one to open the scroll and to balance the scale. Don't worry about that and don't look after what someone else has. I have many friends whose bank accounts are heavy. And I can tell you, for all of that, I wouldn't trade places with them for a minute because their lives are a hot mess. You know, behind every door, no matter what the door looks like, there are issues. Just like there are issues in your home. I have them in mine. God has put us where we are in this place for the purpose of his glory. So be happy there. Find the joy that is in your own home and in your own place. And thank him for it. The next reason or opportunity to increase your joy is particularly in the body of Christ, unity. Um, it's so important that we see it so many times in the New Testament. I heard a video by Francis Chan, and he was talking about unity in the body of Christ. And he said that, um, he said, he was talking about music. This is a hot topic. I don't sing, so I don't care. So I'm just going to give you that disclaimer right up front. I, um, I, I could care less whether we do contemporary music or hymns or whatever. It just doesn't matter to me. I, don't, I can't sing anyway. Poor Kristen Bankston sits, you know, around me, and it's just awful. But her voice is beautiful. And so um, Francis Chan said, you know, you get that thing going on between hymns and contemporary music. And he said, here's the church that God loves. He loves the church where the uh, more mature uh, members of the church say, yes, I love the hymns. There's something to the poetry. I love the, the scale of the music, but this is what I love more. I love more looking over there on the noisy side of the church with all those parents and their young children worshiping my Jesus in his house every Sunday morning. And if they like contemporary music, I'm going to lay down my rights and my opinions and my preference because I love to worship God with them. And then you have the contemporary people who really love that band and the guitar and it's all going on and they're raising hands and praising the Lord. And they say, I love contemporary music. I sing it at home. I listen to it on the radio. I teach it to my children. But I love more the history, the tradition, and the experience of the more mature members of my church. And they like hymns. And I'm going to lay down my preference so that they can hear their hymns. And what you get is unity in the church. So every now and again not only in the unity of believers, but also as friends. We just have to lay down our rights and our opinions a little bit. The world does not revolve around us all the time. When it does, it squelches our joy. And the other thing that uh, squelches joy 
is just to be so sensitive. We're so offended by so much. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. You should be the one that sees the best, that cuts the slack, that gives an inch, whose skin is thick. James McDonald had a little prayer in a Bible study somewhere on the next slide that said, I've asked the Lord to take from me my super sensitivity that robs the soul of joy and peace and causes fellowship to cease. And isn't that the truth? Everyone has some kind of, well, not everyone, I'm sure y'all don't, but I do, have some kind of thing, you know, that I think you should make accommodation for me. I mean, there are any number of things. Y'all could write them down on a piece of paper, I'm sure, at your table. But we just kind of need to get over ourselves a little bit, right, and just cut some slack. If you want joy and contentment, lay down your right, give way, and don't be so sensitive. The other point of increasing joy in our lives, the next slide, please, is to just have faithful throttle. This... Um, this is so important, particularly because it gives you energy. Just when the, when the times are hard and you feel like you're just worn out and you just can't pray or have another moment uh, to stand tall, remembering what he's done for you, remembering that he is always there, that faith will pull you through until there is a breakthrough. If you go to the next slide, please. Isaiah 40 tells us in a promise, it's not a might, it's a will. I will give you strength. I will mount you up with wings like eagles. I will have you running so that you're not tired. It's a promise. I love that scripture and uh, because it is a promise. And the other promise that is probably, you know, people say they have a signature verse and I think this is it for me. And he says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. This is so much my signature verse that that group that I showed you, my Monday morning Bible study, every year at Christmas, I give them some kind of an acorn with that verse on it. And I've left one for you this morning. I hope you'll take it with you. I want to be an oak of righteousness. He gives me that opportunity as I continue to trust him for that exchange. He exchanges... Um, something beautiful out of a trash heap, joy for my tears, the spirit to praise him even in heavy circumstances that my roots will seek that deep relationship with him even when I'm tired. I'm sorry. There we go. Oh, back one more. Two more. There we go. Gratitude. Gratitude is the next thing. Another attendant to joy and commitment is gratitude. As you stop and think about the flourish of blessings that we are given, not compared to anyone else, just our own blessings, we are greatly blessed. He has just flat out given us, handpicked for us, many blessings because we're here. And when I think about it, honestly, it takes my breath away. Now I'll go to the next slide. 
You have this poem in your handout. I'm not going to read it to you. The author is unknown, but you can read it at your leisure. Next slide, please. I'm having... Nope. There's a picture in there somewhere. There she is. Who knows who this is? Does anyone know Barb? You know Barb Crane? I met Barb Crane in a Bible study, and that's the way we stayed connected for the rest of her life. She is my dearest, closest friend in Christ. I say she is, she is with Jesus now. She lost the battle to cancer last year. We were so close that I actually gave the eulogy, scripture eulogy, at her funeral. Now that is hard to do, but the strength of the Lord Jesus gave me the words and the knees to stand up and complete that. She fought many hard weeks through her battle with cancer toward the end. And during that time, I was with her quite a lot. And during that time, I think I heard her say thank you more times than I have heard it accumulatively in my 60 years of life. Every face, every pair of hands, every foot that entered her home to serve her or her family, she was so very grateful for, even through the pain. Thank you, she would say. Thank you, sweet dear one. Thank you. I can still hear the, the voice inflection from her. We attended every Beth Moore conference together between Kansas City and Nashville, Louisville, um, we were Memphis, we, we went to all of them, and the um, U-Lead conferences before that as well. What a glorious friend she is to me to this day. I love her, I love her family. What a testimony of faith. Her last prayer request to me was, I pray that I finish strong. And she did. She did because she had Jesus. What a grateful, gracious woman she was. Um, I know Chris spoke to you last week. I don't know Chris that well, so I don't want to pretend that I do, but someone that visited her during, uh, right after Phoebe's death said that Chris said to them, I didn't hear it myself, but that she said to them, God does not trust everyone with this. Now that is a grateful heart, one who still sees the very best in the worst of circumstances. He, give, he gave... Barb grace, he gives Chris grace to be grateful for the privilege of the pain. And oh, wouldn't it be something if we could be that, that way? I don't know. I've never experienced anything like it. But gratitude really does transform us and our lives. And the last way to experience more joy is through forgiveness. This is huge and probably the hardest one. Ephesians 4 which is the next slide, tells us to put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander. Be kind to one another and forgive as Christ has forgiven us. It's a miracle, you know, to be able to forgive. It's not our natural default. It's another fruit. It is something that only comes to us by the Holy Spirit, but it does bring healing. We're all amateurs at it. Well, how can you actually do that? How can you actually forgive. This is how. First you have to decide to. And then you put on that green serve pro suit and you act like it never even happened. You admit to yourself that you won't bring it up to the person 
that you won't bring up the offense to others, that's big, that you won't bring it up to yourself, in other words, repeating it over and over again, as if now you have the pride that you've actually forgiven someone. And then you won't pat yourself on the back for doing it. Ephesians tells us, um, back to the verse, tells us that kindness is the fruit of that forgiveness, that we can actually be kind. You know, I've tried to be kind when I really didn't forgive just because, you know, I was just like acting that out. It wasn't really heartfelt. And what happens to me when I try to be kind from an unforgiving heart, it just drips bitterness. And then I go home and I'm so proud of myself because I did something kind, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real forgiveness that creates real kindness to the person who has offended you. So these are some ways that, um, oh, this is that slide through (laughs) the seven ways pulling it all together that we can experience more joy and contentment in our lives spend time with others who are christ-minded see your circumstances through his eyes throw off all jealousy covetousness and lust be unified lay down your own rights for the unity of others and refuse to be offended trust in the lord have faith be grateful in all circumstances and forgive. If you've accepted the work of Christ on the cross, if you're a follower of Christ Jesus, God is all over you in your situation. He's pursuing you relentlessly. That's the meaning of the phrase, surely goodness and mercy will follow you. I want that following me. It also means that your best days are ahead. So joy and contentment are yours unnaturally, given by our supernatural, holy, loving, and patient Father. Let's pray together. Father God, you are holy, loving, kind, gracious, merciful, powerful, and present everywhere forever. And knowing that, that you made us in that image, Father, it blows my mind. But it gives me hope. Give hope to all of us here today, Father. Help us to be more like Christ in every way. And Father, give us the Spirit's fruit of joy and contentment that we might serve and represent effectively. To you be the glory and the honor and the praise forever and ever in the precious saving name of Jesus. Amen.